Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Hello, I'm Adam Taylor, and this is Suspending the Rules from the Bloomberg Government Legislative Analyst Team. This week's agenda is all about bread and butter issues, literally. I'm Adam Shank. This week, we're talking about the recently completed talks for a new trade agreement with Canada and Mexico, as well as Congress's efforts to pass a new farm bill, which could be up for action in the lame duck session later this year. Some housekeeping before we get into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode. We're now on iTunes. You can find Suspending the Rules on the podcatcher of your choice. So go subscribe, please. And thank you. So after months of negotiation in the open and behind closed doors, the U.S., Mexico, and Canada announced a deal last week to replace the almost 25-year-old North American Free Trade Agreement, better known as NAFTA. Joining us to discuss what the new agreement does and doesn't do are legislative analyst Sarah Babbage, who follows trade issues for our team, and BGov agriculture policy reporter Tegan Finn. First off, Sarah, can we still call it NAFTA? No, it's now the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, or USMCA. Okay. So what does it actually do? What, what are the changes? How, how will the average American see and feel this? So I think the average American is really going to just notice that NAFTA isn't so much talked about in the news anymore. Uh, there are no huge changes here, and it allows the administration to shift its focus as far as trade goes or to China. Senator Chuck Grassley, who's a Republican from Iowa, actually said that the agreement is 95% the same as the old NAFTA. So uh, there are some incremental changes. Companies that do business throughout North America are going to have some certainty, and some industries are going to have some different rules rules to work with, but the average American's probably not going to notice a big change. One of the the big industries I know that I've seen in headlines is the dairy industry. Tegan, you cover agriculture for us. What's going on there? Sure. So uh, dairy farmers are super excited about this new agreement because it's removing this class seven milk pricing system that Canada has, and it's effectively blocking the U.S. imports of dairy. So getting rid of that in this new agreement is big for farmers, and it's really opening up the markets. Dairy farmers, you know, are, are struggling with low low prices, so this will give them a place to, to put their products now. Dairy's not the only, only industry that's going to see changes in this. Sarah, what else is in this deal? There are also going to be big changes for automakers. That's one of President Trump's real focuses, you know, on American manufacturing. So right now, cars that are going to have qualify for NAFTA preferences, so basically tariff-free movement between the three countries, they need to have 62.5% auto parts that originate in North America. The new agreement boosted that uh, threshold to 75%. So that could be good for North American auto parts manufacturers. And it also requires 40% of auto parts to be from people who are earning at least uh, $16 an hour. So that means that basically North American car companies are going to have to source more of their parts from probably Canada and the U.S. as opposed to Mexico. Ultimately, that could benefit the industries here, but also it could make the cost of cars more expensive. And it wouldn't be a modern day free trade agreement without some pretty serious intellectual property provisions in here. I know there's something affecting copyright. Yeah, so there are changes to 
copyright legislation and uh, new protections for intellectual property, including drug patents. And there's a new chapter on digital trade. So lots of modernization in addition to just changes to the existing agreement. So the president and his counterparts in Mexico and Canada plan to sign the new agreement at the end of November, but there's still some pretty heavy lifting to do. Uh, Sarah, what does that look like and what's the process to bring the agreement into effect? Right. So first of all, they need to sign it. They haven't done that yet. The reason that they haven't, you know, they concluded it, but they still have to wait to sign it is that the U.S. is enacting this new deal through what's called Trade Promotion Authority. So that's where Congress delegates the authority for negotiating trade deals to the administration but with very specific rules for notice and reporting periods. So right now- We sometimes hear this called fast track authority, actually. Yeah, that is another term for it, since um, it allows the administration to basically send the final agreement to Congress for a expedited up or down vote, can't be amended. So right now, the administration needed to notify Congress that it um, had finalized the deal and send them the agreement 60 days before they sign it. Now, they were under a lot of pressure to get it done so that they could sign it on November 30th, which is the last day that the current Mexican president, Enrique Peña Nieto, is in office. So they didn't want to have to deal with the new administration in Mexico. So that's when they'll sign it. And then there are another series of hurdles for Congress to actually enact it. So this is something we'll see in the lame duck session and after the election. Do you th- do you think there will be any sort of challenges for Congress when it when it takes it up, or are they mostly going to rubber stamp it? So it's a good question. Under the Trade Promotion Authority law, they have to act on it 45 legislative days after they receive the the implementing legislation from the administration. They can spend all of those 45 days. They can have a they can reject the legislation. But what Republicans have been saying is that a lot of it depends on the outcome of the midterm election. So if uh, Republicans lose the House, they're going to want to vote on it in the lame duck and then um, try to advance it. If Democrats win the House uh, and they they don't have time to enact the legislation, it's not as clear. They could definitely extend out, run the clock on that 45-day period. Thanks, Tegan and Sarah. In just a moment, we'll be back to break down the farm bill. Years and years ago, urban and rural lawmakers came together to help each other's big programs be authorized on a regular basis. Nutritional support for poor families in cities and farm safety net programs in rural areas would pair together in what has become known as the Farm Bill. The most recent Farm Bill expired September 30th, and the House and Senate have some work to do to resolve their differences and enact a new one. Tegan Finn has stuck around from the first segment to help us break it down. Thanks, Tegan. We're also joined by legislative analyst Danielle Parnas. Hi there. Danielle, I said the Farm Bill expired on September September 30th, but it's not really that simple, is it? No, and there's sort of several buckets of programs in the Farm Bill, so they were all affected differently after September 30th. The first is that the main commodity support programs don't actually operate on the fiscal year, which is what ended September 30th, so they weren't immediately affected. And you're hearing a lot of talk about the dairy program coming up in December because commodity programs basically operate according to their own programs or the crop year schedule, and dairy is the first one that comes up. The other programs in 
the bill can sort of think about it in terms of mandatory and discretionary programs. So the discretionary programs can be funded through the appropriations. And there was recently the CR that was enacted to December 7th. So those programs are continuing to operate as is. And that includes the food stamps program or what's called now SNAP. And then there are basically a bunch of other mandatory programs that will continue to operate even though they can't start new projects. And I think the bottom line is there are about 40 smaller programs that did expire September 30th, but they are sort of, in terms of dollar amounts, smaller segment of the entire Farm Bill. So the Farm Bill was traditionally a bipartisan exercise, but the last couple of rounds, things have sort of broken down as House Republicans try to make changes to the food stamp or SNAP program, uh, and this time specifically around the work requirements to that program. What's going on there? Really what's going on, uh, it's a big fight between the House and the Senate bills because the House is really trying to tighten those work requirements for the SNAP recipients and making a work training program mandatory and if you want to have SNAP benefits. And the Senate leaders, both the chairman and ranking member, agree that they don't really want to do these things to the SNAP program and think it would be pretty restrictive to recipients if, if the, these changes were met. And that's sort of become a sticking point because House conservatives and also President Trump have been pretty vocal about wanting to make those requirements right. stricter, yeah. but that doesn't really have a path forward in the Senate. Right. That's not the only sticking point, of course. What are other big differences between the House and the Senate and maybe even the administration? There are some issues with um, the conservation programs. So in the House bill, they were consolidating two of the big programs and ultimately cutting funding overall. Uh, the Senate bill largely kept them in place with some tweaks around the edges. There's some fights going on there. There's also a bunch of environmental provisions in the House bill that are more partisan than what we saw in the Senate, having to do with pesticide regulation and, and the Endangered Species Act. So there, there are a lot of issues there. I think there's also several sticking points on commodity programs related to the types of support that we're actually giving farmers. That's sort of the basis of the farm bill. So it's really both sides, uh, both the, the urban and the, the rural. Are, are It's always a push and pull, but especially this year, it sounds like. Yeah, I would say it's a big push and pull. It's also important to note that a big issue lies with how to pay for these conservation programs and these, you know, the Senate leaders want to continue these programs and finding a way to fund that and, and pay for that through this authorization bill is important. And they, I think, that's a, another thing standing in the way is, is um, trying to figure out where it all fits into the, the right bill. So with that in mind, where do the talks go from here? So uh, last week, the the big four, uh, House and Senate Agriculture Committee uh, chairman and ranking members, they came out arms linked with their <laughs> out of their meeting last week and, and said they wanted to get a deal done so they could pass something, pass a final bill during the lame duck session. So the next step would be they said they'd be uh, talking on the phone together. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to have another in-person meeting, but I think they the, the staff I know are, are working every day on this and trying to get to close out some titles of this massive, massive bill. So something to look forward to in the lame duck. Uh, there'll be a lot more coverage right. on, on Bigo for it. Thanks, Danielle and Tegan. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. Find out more about the topics we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at bgov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Daniel Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Schenk. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nacita. More information can be found at premiumbeat.com.
www.thinkdigital.com. 